Welcome to Once and Future Authors, Changing Lives One Book at a Time. I'm Stephanie Larkin, an author, independent publisher, and book coach. And each week we will be discussing processes and strategies to get your book finished and published and meet authors and publishing experts to tap into their experiences and expertise. There is one book out there that can change your life, and that is the book you write. So welcome aboard. This podcast is produced by Red Penguin Books, an independent publishing company working with authors of all genres. Whether you have a manuscript all ready to go, a book still stuck in your head, or perhaps even hundreds of handwritten sheets of loose leaf shoved in a drawer, visit redpenguinbooks.com and unleash your inner author. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Once and Future Authors podcast. I'm Stephanie, and I'm so delighted to be joined, well, not right next door to me, but on screen he will be, thank goodness. Jan Domagala is joining me from across the pond in Britain. He's released a new book, Called Ronan, and we're here to talk to him about the book. And I believe there are probably nine more to come, so we have plenty to talk about. Thanks so much for joining me. Um, uh, thank you for having me. Oh, thrilled to have you! And uh, anytime I can get that lovely British accent on my show, I'm just thrilled. <laughs> now you must tell me. I've heard that they actually in Britain find the American accent endearing. And we, of course, here find the British accent endearing. Is that true? Uh, I su- yeah, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the Americans like the English accent a little bit more. And I don't know why, because I find the American accent really, really nice. Uh, I like the, the variance. And as you go through the country, how, how, it, how it varies <laughs> now it's from funny. state to state. Last night I was watching, there's, there's a new hit show here in America um, called Bridgerton. And it's all sorts of, you know, uh, British uh, gossip and intrigue. I, I guess you don't get those shows there because why would you? We just want to hear that British accent somewhere. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's on Netflix at the minute, I think. Um, it yeah, it's on Netflix. Yeah, we, we get it over here. It's, uh, it's a bit like Downton Abbey, I, I suppose. I don't know. I've never seen yes. it. it, it, it I've heard it called, it's kind of like Downton Abbey meets Desperate Housewives. It's- yes, uh, yeah. <laughs> I've heard it's a bit racy. <laughs> it, it is quite racy. And uh, I, I always wonder if shows like that make a hit over uh, on your end of the pond, just because we watch it for the British accent. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, oh, I can't comment on that. I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, thank you for joining me. And please tell me a little bit, how did you get your start writing? When did you start? Were you like five years old and you just? Had- <laughs> <laughs> um, I've I've always been sort of I've always been creative. I I I was into um, comic books when I was uh, school age, and that sort of progressed. I used to like to try and do my my own, and then that progressed into writing uh, because I could tell the story quicker through writing it rather than drawing each panel and and. and Stuff like that. Do you so, also, I didn't know that. Not many people do. <laughs> it's, I'm a little bit embarrassed about it, to be honest with you, because I don't know why. Uh, I mean, because comic books have become a huge thing now. But when I was growing up, it was, it was, I don't know, it was, well, it was frowned upon. It wasn't classed as the art form as it is nowadays. Um, I always wanted to be an illustrator in, in comics. 
but uh, I hadn't got the talent, basically. I hadn't got the talent. So I chose writing rather than to do that. Um, Yeah, I've always been sort of uh, writing, scribbling down uh, stories, hoping, flitting from one idea to the next. And I think Ronin came about because I tried one or two other books, uh, one or two other stories previously to this one. Uh, and I was I was trying to find a good science fiction story in the library to read and nothing sort of floated me boat. And it, what I was looking for was something like Die Hard mixed with Total Recall or something like that. And a good action film on, on the page with a lot of sci-fi in it. So I thought, well, if nobody's writing that sort of stuff, I might as well do it myself. So I, I thought, well, I'll, I'll give it a go. So that's what I did. That's fantastic. You know, I've heard that said before, uh, write the book that you wish you could read. That's right, yeah. Well, I, that's what made me do it because I'd, I'd seen that quote by a writer. I can't remember who, who who said that first, but I remember reading that and I, and I thought, well, why not try it and have a go? Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Your, your main protagonist, um, Kurt Strider. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about Kurt and is is he like your alter ego? Is he? Who's oh, I wish. <laughs> I wish. I uh, I try to uh, base all my main characters on on the romantic side of me, what I'd like to be, uh, what ah. I wish I was. Uh, but um, sadly, no, I'm not quite as good looking as him. I'm not as talented <laughs> or as tall. <laughs> he's the he's the person I wish I was. So you're living um, vicariously through your books. Very much so, yes. Very much so. <laughs> <laughs> I, read, I read somewhere that somebody said, um, write what you know. Um, and I thought, well, how's that? I can't do that because I'm setting my books 25th century in space. Well, I mean, what do I know about that? <laughs> so, you know, you, you write from your imagination, I think. Yes, yes. Well, that's very true. But, but the fact that you're... Um, your main character is what you kind of emu- want to emulate is writing what you know, pulling from characteristics that you know and respect or uh, envy even in other people. Very much respect. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah, because Kurt is the kind of person who will always do what's right, no matter what the cost, no matter what the cost to himself, uh, he will do what he thinks is the right thing. Yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's a quote in the book that his father what drove him to do what he does. His father once told him that for evil to triumph, and this is one of my favorite quotes, for evil to triumph, all that is required is for good men to do nothing. So he chose to do something. Nice. Very, very nice. So uh, tell me a little bit about what goes on in the book without giving away any spoilers, but just to get our uh, would-be readers interested. Well, we we begin the book uh, with Kurt as the sole survivor of a, a program that he was told would revolutionize the military and hopefully prevent any future conflict. That was, that was why he volunteered for the prog- program. As the, as the book unfolds, you'll learn that uh, that's not quite the case, uh, that the program uh, is successful and can be turned into militaristic uh, goals. Uh, so this is where the dilemma comes for him. He has to make a decision. Does he keep 
the what he knows about the program being a success to himself, mm-hmm. or does he become a pawn of the government and continue the the very thing that he he's fought all his life against, which is um, people fighting and dying, basically. I mean, he joined the army, he joined the military so that people wouldn't wouldn't have to die to to to, to protect and serve. Right, right. Are you a military man yourself? No, no, unfortunately, no. I once, when I was at school, I wanted to become a physiotherapist in the army, but my father, who had served in, well, he would, he was in the Second World War. Uh, he was, he was a Polish person who was conscripted, and conscripted into the. Well, he was forced to join the German army, and then he deserted. He came over with a lot of Polish people. He would not let me join the army because he knew what he, all the experiences he'd gone through. Right. Okay. okay. So, so that part of the book you didn't get to draw on personal experience in the art. No, no, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> so, tell me a little bit about the 25th century. Are we going to like it? Uh, well, <laughs> I've tried to keep the science to a minimum. I've tried to keep the, um, I've tried to keep the the, the time as uh, recognizable as possible, so that people don't get lost. Um, in too much detail. Um, the problem I had with with a lot of science fiction books was with, and I, this is part part and parcel of what becomes a science fiction novel is the world building. I found that terribly boring, mm. and, I, and I'll probably get vilified for that for saying that. But uh, a lot of people like science fiction because of the world building, you know, uh, economic structure, the climate, and all, all that. What I wanted to, to do was just delve straight into the action and have the background as a background, if that makes sense. No, it does make sense. But I am curious. Um, like you said, many people who are writing futuristic science fiction, they the whole point was the world building. And they love that. And that's where their, their theme even developed from. Why? Since that is not part of your interest and that's perfectly fine yeah. why did you decide to go for futuristic uh 25th century uh, as a <laughs> this is quite interesting actually because it's um um the reason i chose to set it in the future was um i tried to write a thriller a modern day thriller and there was a lot of research uh, on locations and present day tech and all that sort of stuff uh, so and i found it um extremely difficult to get the details right so i thought why not make it up because if you set it on a future planet no one can say well that doesn't go there that's not right there you know <laughs> it's you know I, i'm the i'm the person who says that's that's correct and no one can argue with me so i chose the easy route to be honest with you um and to <laughs> The, the futuristic aspect of it is unavoidable because you have to have, you know, technology has got to be advanced. So uh, one of the few things I have put in that I'm quite proud of, actually, and I've seen, uh, I've, I've done a little bit of research on it, actually, the, called the, the neural interface, mm-hmm. which connects you to computers and phones. And so you don't have to have handheld, handheld devices. Um, that's, um, I've got a feeling that's going to come pretty soon in the future anyway. Okay, so well, yeah, I, I like I like your your method there. No one can argue with you about being wrong. <laughs> well, that's what I thought anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what did you find most difficult about writing about since since world building is not 
you know, something that interests you. But even though you 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 say uh, nobody could tell me I was wrong, you still have to be consistent. Of um, physics still has to work the same way throughout your whole mm. book, and you have to. Do, do you have? flashcards, a whiteboard. How do you keep things straight in your head when you're writing? I, this is this is something I've, that's bothered, well, not bothered me, but it's amazed me because um, how I write is, people say that there's two sorts of writers. There's a plotter and a pantser. Yeah. I'm very much the second, the pantser. I, yeah. I get an idea and I sit down and I start to write and then just, I let my characters take me where they want to go, basically, and then see how the, how the story develops. Many times I'll go back and change things because, you know, uh, where it's gone doesn't sort of tie in with what's gone on in the past. So I'll have to change that a little bit. Um, but no, I don't, I don't use flashcards. I don't, sometimes I'll take notes so that I don't, uh, don't forget a certain thing that's uh, relevant to a story or a, a certain detail. But um, no, I just sort of keep it all stored. Wow, that's a I lot. Know, of, it's, that's it's a lot of scary. <laughs> scary. You don't want to go up there. No, you don't want. <laughs> don't want to spend five minutes in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> now, as a pantser, um, I've heard people say that their their characters just kind of they'll be sitting there typing and they do what they want to do. Have you ever been completely surprised by something one of your characters has done? Yes. Yes, um, I have actually, yeah, because um, I once tried to, to to write a book with plotting it out first. And um, what I did, I got the main, I got the, the basic idea of the story and I broke it down into chapters. And I, then I would lay out each chapter, what was going to happen. And when I got to the end, I couldn't write the book because I felt like I'd done the work and the book was, it was sort of, the idea was laid out and I'd finished it. Mm. And I knew full well that once I started writing the first chapter, conversations would would occur where would change the direction of the story. And to keep that on track through, say, a 20-chapter story would, I just couldn't do it because it would veer off too many times because of the conversations that certain characters have, the interactions. Um, so that's why I chose to be a pantser. So you actually made the decision. I'm, that, that's fascinating because I've never ever heard an author say, "Like there were my choices and I chose Panzer." That's a <laughs> well, yeah, no, that's the way. I, that's I definitely chose that way because wow. I couldn't, I can't, I cannot keep to a set routine when writing a story because things develop and change and mutate, and so you have to go with. Well, I have to go with the, the direction that the characters take me or the story. To, goes interesting interesting and I, i'm sure our plotters out there would beg to differ but that's why you know i always say to people you have to write the way you write there's no yes threat. yeah I, I would never i would never say that my way is the only way right whatever whatever works for you is the way is the best way for you so if somebody would prefer to plot something down and, and put every minuscule detail down and then go back and write the story from that from that framework, then that's fine. That, you know, if it's good for them, it's good. But I just can't do that. I, I'm so glad you said that because that that gives a, a huge um, amount of permission to people. I see authors on message boards and all sorts of places all the time. Um, oh, I heard I'm supposed to make a big outline first. Yeah. Uh, or and I'll I'll always want to say, 
don't believe everything you've heard. No, no. There's a million authors out there. And here I am sitting with a very successful science fiction author. And that's not the way he works. And, yeah. and it works for him. And that's all that matters. Well, I've written 11 books now. Uh, well, no, exactly. sorry, 17 books now like that. So. That, I, that's why I said a very successful science fiction author. <laughs> and it's working for you. Yeah. Absolutely working for you. So, so thank you for that, because that is um, for all of those pantsers, if it's, if it's half of the writers out there, um, new writers, especially at the beginning, think, oh, I'm supposed to follow a specific set yeah. of steps. Yeah. No, if, if whatever works for you, uh, um, yeah, whatever works, works. <laughs> now, as a pantser, does that mean that uh, sometimes you can't sleep at night because your characters are talking in your head? <sighs> Tell me about it. Yeah, quite often. <laughs> oh, this, oh, I've lost count of the times that I've woken up with an idea or gone to bed and an idea has popped into my head and I've, oh, I've had to either get up and write it down or um, get up and start right, you know, get on the on the laptop. I would say for this one piece of advice I would give to any writer starting out, or even if they're experienced, uh, keep a notebook and a pen by your bedside. So if you have an idea, just write it down. Because then if you get up in the morning and you think, oh, now what was I thinking about? Many times you'll, it'll be gone. You'll uh, forget. That's a great idea, keeping a notebook with you always. You don't want to lose yeah. it. Fleeting, fleeting. That's right, yeah. Now, do you write um, on a laptop? The good old-fashioned way with a pen. Do you dictate your books into a, a microphone? How do you do it? Well, when I started, I what I used to do was I used to write it longhand, and then I would class that as my first draft, and then I would put it back, put it onto a laptop, and that would be my second draft, and then I would send it to the editor. But now I just um, just straight onto the laptop. I cut out. Wow. I cut out the first section completely. You got, you and, got writer's cramp. Well. <laughs> As as age yeah, as age gets grabs your your, your, your grip on the pen isn't what isn't what it used to be. Well, also there's you do get spoiled. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, get, bless you. Thank you. Getting to uh, copy and paste or move things around or things. That's like that's that. true. Yeah. Plus, yeah, it's quicker. It's much quicker. You can type that fast. Um. No, no, I, I just mean that you've cut out one section, one, one, one. Well, that's uh, true. That's true. One, one stage by writing it down. And sometimes I can't even read my own writing, so <laughs> just to take ages. <laughs> Are you a good typist? Do you type with all ten fingers? Uh, a good three or four of them. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't say all ten. <laughs> yeah, I'm a two finger myself. I must admit. I, I tend to use my thumbs and possibly two or three fingers. Yeah, that's probably thumbs. my thumbs for the space bar and these two fingers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I've gotten better the more I do. Uh, when I first started, I was I was probably one finger. <laughs> <laughs> 17 books later, I would think that you could use maybe even four fingers. Well, yeah, I'm getting there. <laughs> <laughs> now, you, all, you write exclusively in the science fiction genre. Have you yeah. ever... No, you've written other things. Tell us. Yeah, uh, I, I've written um, six books uh, in two different series. Okay. Where one's uh, like, um, how, how can I describe it? Sort of a James Bond type series. Mm -hmm. And then the other one, I don't know if you know of James Rollins. 
Oh, Steve Barry, people yeah, like that. Sure. Oh, my goodness. I've written, I've I've written three a books. huge Steve Barry fan. Really? Oh, oh good. Um, I've written three books in a series called the Atlas Force series uh, that are similar in vain uh, to that genre. Okay. Oh, well, I have, I have a beta reader for you right here. He, My husband eats up those Steve Berry books. Yeah. <laughs> I don't do the historical aspect, uh, but I do do the, the technical aspect. Gotcha. Uh, I, a bit like a techno, I, I suppose you could call it a techno thriller. Techno thriller, fantastic, yeah. fantastic. Are there any uh, genres out there that you kind of look longingly and say, oh, I'd like to try that? Um, I once thought I might try the horror genre. But, but, <laughs> excuse me, <clears throat> I was a bit worried in case it might keep me up at night. Oh, yeah, well, <clears throat> I understand that thought because when I read horror, it keeps me up at night. Well, I used to read horror exclusively at one point. I, I devoured everything that Dean Koontz wrote. Mm -hmm. uh, if there was any writer I would like to be more like, it's Dean Koontz. Really? What about yes. books do you like? Um, he's multi-genre. He, uh, and he's, his use of language is, is beautiful. Uh, I just wish I could tap into something like that. No. Um, his action scenes are visceral. He's, that when he writes horror, they, you know, they, they grab you. And there's always that human element in it as well. He always makes, sometimes he'll make you cry because he's so emotional. He does everything. He does everything. I just wish I was more like him. Oh, that's fabulous. Do you like to read as well as write? Oh, yeah. I've always got two or three books on the go. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love to read Dean Koontz. Who else do you like to read? Uh, James Rollins is okay. one of my favorites. Jack Higgins. Um, those are two of my favorites. Clive Cusler. Okay. Who unfortunately yeah. passed yeah. last year, didn't he? Uh, yes. Th that genre is the is the main genre that I, I stick to at the moment. Uh, I lost touch with Dean Koontz a while ago, a while ago um, for some reason. I can't think why. I think it was because he, I got too emotionally involved and I just wanted something a bit lighter. <laughs> Matthew, Matthew Riley is another good, uh, another favourite of mine. In fact, it was a, a book by Matthew Riley that, that set me on the path to writing Ronia. Really? Yes. Uh, I was in the library one day and I was looking for a book and nothing. I couldn't find anything that really grabbed me attention. And I was on the way out through the door. And you know the carousels that have the paperbacks on? Sure. I saw one and it said Ice Station. And I can remember reading Ice Station Zebra by Alistair McLean and absolutely loving that book. So I thought, oh. I'll have a look and see what this is. I wonder if it's a reworking or if something along those lines. So I picked it up, looked at it, and I thought, do you know what? That sounds really good. I went home and I, I devoured it in three days. And I thought, wow, that's the kind of book I want to write. So I sat down and uh, I thought, go for it. Fantastic. Fantastic. So uh, if you have a young protege who wants to follow in your footsteps, the way you want to follow in some of these other authors' footsteps, what uh, what about your writing? Are you hoping that they will take away, maybe emulate? What are you most proud of? Oh, proud! What am I most proud of? Well, funnily enough, the um, the book I'm most proud of is the third book in the Atlas Four series. Okay, uh, because that's the most personal book for me. 
Right. Uh, that's the one book that I sort of drew from experience. Um, but in the sci-fi books, I think I'm very... I'm, do you know what? You've got me now. I, I don't yeah. know what to say here. I was well, a bit stuck with book. Instead of thinking in terms of a book, is there something about your writing or your style or your strategy that you would like to pass on to those young writers out there? Uh, strategy, I just find something that works for you. If, if, if plotting out works, do it that way. If being a pantser works, then do it that way. Uh, mainly find a subject that you want to write about. Um, always do your best work, uh, even if it means going back and rewriting it. Even if it means scrapping it, starting from scratch, which I've done several times. Uh, just keep going and just write. Fantastic. Um, wise words. Absolutely wise words. Thank well, you. I can't thank you enough for joining us. I hope that all of our viewers uh, grab a copy of Ronin. And by the way, there are like nine more to come in this series, so you will get hooked. That is for sure. Plus a whole lot of other books from our author here. So read, write, get inspired. And thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us for Once and Future Authors. If you've enjoyed the show, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Reviews help other interested listeners to find the show, so your review could launch new books every day. Thanks again for joining us, and happy writing!